0: You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. To help make sense of these topics, we sit down with thought leaders and do what we do best at the Conference Board, provide trusted insights for what's ahead. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this podcast series. And in today's conversation, we're going to discuss AI and and HR. That's a lot of letters. What are some ways that AI can be used in the HR function? What role do HR leaders play in overseeing the use of AI in a company? What are the risks and rewards that business leaders should keep in mind when adopting AI? all things AI. And joining me today is Rebecca Ray, the head of our Human Capital Center here at the conference, but an expert in AI. Rebecca, welcome. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Steve. Okay. So Rebecca, what the heck is AI?
1: Well, I think generally speaking, when people think about AI writ large, it's technology that mimics uh, human thinking by making assumptions or learning or reasoning or problem solving and it predicts with some high degree of autonomy and back in 2019 when we started to talk about this and we looked specifically at the impact of ai on the hr function you know we tried to to articulate what ai is and what it isn't i mean it isn't automation ai can help with automation but it isn't automation and we looked at you know shades of ai-ness if you will or what's the what's the gradation as you look at what is not ai and what is truly ai and I think part of that gets confused sometimes because people think automation is AI or people who might provide a, a platform or an SAS uh, offering that uh, claims to have AI, but really isn't.
0: Yeah. So, you know, just off generally, what are the various forms of AI, of, uh, AI that people talk about?
1: Yeah. So, so when we first started talking about AI, you know, you you would think uh, that given the ubiquitous nature of uh, Microsoft uh, Office 365 adoption, you know there's AI built into that. When you think about uh, the fact that it can track employees' use of email and chat and calendar functions, it can do an analysis for managers about how their team as a whole spends their time. Um, it can, you know, suggest things for productivity. The same system can provide individual employees with an analysis of how much screen time and how much productivity. And so, you know, if in in both cases, what you have is helping, assisting employees with information and insights in a way that it would take human beings a great deal more time, even if they could provide that kind of insight.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's you know, it's been around a long time and it, it's baked into a lot of things. And e- even search engines are a form of AI, they're getting better. I mean, ChatGPT is a more advanced, one way to think about it is it's a more advanced search engine. It's a language-driven model, yes, but um, but it, there's AI in a whole lot of different things because of the different flavors of AI, from machine learning to generative AI to predictive AI and so forth, right?
1: Yeah, and, and we haven't stopped at having it in just the workplace. Remember back in the old day when the internet was like something you came in on uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving so you could take advantage of the company's internet to make all of your purchases. Well, you know, that's not the case anymore. And, and we have had, you know, Alexa or Siri or a variety of things just at our fingertips for a long time. There's a reason why we're all, I think, very dependent on, uh, let's say, Amazon, for example. It's just so well done and so seamless in so many cases. It's just become part of our lives.
0: Yeah. And, you know, even your car kind of learns, you know, your, your behaviors and patterns, and that's a, a form of AI. So it's, it's not something that's new this year. It's been around a long time. And and you've been writing about it for years, as you've said. Um, tell us about the evolution of your studies as it relates to HR.
1: Well, you know, when we first started uh, our series on uh, the artificial intelligence for HR, one of the things we tried to do was to define it, not to make the sitting CHRO or their their direct reports experts in AI. I'm not an expert in AI either, but I am pretty familiar with some of the implications and the impacts that AI has had in the HR space. And I think we all in the HR function need to have the ability to ask the right questions, to know where some of the pitfalls are, but also to to make a, I would say a, a a balanced business decision because the use of AI is not without risks it has tremendous promise but it is not without risk and it needs to be dealt with uh, by a CHRO as part of a C suite team as they look at all you know entire enterprise risks so back in 2019 when we started to write on the specific impacts in a variety of uh, hr functions we thought that AI would continue to do a variety of things and of the, I don't know, dozen or so that we mentioned, I think nine or 10 of them are spot on. We talked about things like being able to assess and rank candidates based on their role fit, um, readiness to switch jobs and present with a hiring manager, some suggested finalists from which they could make the decisions. To be able to track when new hires have completed re- have training, for example, uh, or point them to coworkers who could be resources for them. Um, to make customized health benefit recommendations to individual employees based on you know, life stage or previous inquiries or a variety of things, listen into to call center calls and make real time suggestions as to how to address, you know, a prospect or, or a insurance policy holder of their concerns, to be able to uh, nudge managers into uh, looking at the way in which they write um, responses in a performance management setting and to make sure that it's free from stereotypes or from assumptions that haven't been supported by data. Um, you know, I, I could go on and on, but, you know, HR has leveraged AI for quite some time. And part of that is because the platform providers that are being used, especially for talent acquisition, for engagement and for uh, total rewards, uh, you know, comp and ben, that has been available to them and has allowed an HR function to rethink how they deploy their experts and make more of them business partners and advisors for business unit leaders and to spend less time doing the crunching that can be done so seamlessly with AI.
0: So as you look back over you know the body of work that you've produced regarding AI, you know you've made a lot of predictions over the years. Um, you've talked about places where you know you were spot on right. Uh, any places where you were off on your prediction, you know has AI developed in a different direction than you expected in some areas?
1: You know, I, I I think there are a few that we thought might be a little further along, um, not too many of them though. I did think there would be more regulation. You're just now seeing it with the advent of generative AI about the use of AI in any employee-related decisions, right? There needs to be human intervention. You see some of the um, the legislation starting to to come out, for example, in New York City, which takes effect on July 1st. But you're looking you're looking at a beginning of regulation that I thought would be further along. And I, I think you see that now with generative AI because people think this isn't just sort of an extension of the ability to automate tasks or whatever, which isn't truly AI as we talked about. But I think they are looking at what is the explosive potential of generative AI and believing that they really do need to take action. I know that you know the CEO of, of Google said that you know generative AI is too important not to regulate and too important not to regulate well. So I think that's the difference: is that people see the explosive changes that this is capable of making.
0: I've read a, the the pleas to regulate, I've, and that is so uncharacteristic of CEOs in general. It's you know it's you know you scratch your head a little bit, but but what what do they know that we don't know? What are they worried about, and why do they want regulation?
1: Well, my my supposition is that uh, they know a great deal more than we do. For, for example, what was released to the public for us to play with? And God knows we've all on our personal computers, you know, generated poems or tried to have, you know, tried to best Hemingway's six word short story or looked to see if we could stump it with a question. Um, and, and that's just the version 4.0, which was a, an improvement over 3.5 uh, chat GPT. But they know what's coming. They, that only took us through 19, t- excuse me, 2021 in terms of what was scraped. Obviously, the world has continued to uh, expand and become more media and information rich, so they know what there is. But when you listen to Sam Altman, uh, the you know the co-founder of OpenAI, he talks about the fact that the the exponential growth curve here is unlike anything they've ever seen. So, for example, probably you know to get to 100 million subscribers in less than two months. That's probably the fastest adoption rate of any innovation in human history. Now, I know people sometimes compare it to the use of a, a, a smartphone or, you know, remember when we had DOS screens and then we got a graphical user interface? It was as though the world had opened up and new planets had been discovered. This is way bigger than that,
0: right? right. Well, you're talking to a guy who was taught how to use a slide rule in high school. So no AI in that. Um, so, but what, what, what particularly, uh, are they, it, it, if you know, what, what kind of regulation are they seeking?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, when you, you look at doctors, they have to take a Hippocratic oath about do no harm, right? I, I think that's the, the concern at the bottom of all of this is that while it has tremendous potential, if you listen to some of these leaders in this space, they will talk about being driven by a desire to make society better, to cure diseases, to to solve the climate challenges we have, to, to to do things for the greater good. And if you have a tool at your disposal that allows you to do that kind of thing, it's also the kind of tool that would be an attractive tool for someone who intends harm, either to other countries or to the earth. And I think that's the biggest concern and why they may be leaning toward regulation, whereas in other situations, they might not.
0: Well, there's also a concern about sentience, you know, the the, the notion. Yeah, the notion that this could um, get out of control and start, if not thinking on its own, at least imitating that and maybe, you know, acting like a virus and getting in and starting to run things by itself where you don't want that to happen. So so there are some real some real worries here that, uh, sure. that need to happen. And that's true. You know, those, those things really do apply to, to HR as well. You know, if you look at, at today now, um, any guess as to, you know, what percentage of companies are using AI in the HR areas?
1: You know, Steve, I can't imagine that it's anything much less than a hundred percent. And, and and I say that in a broader sense because AI has been part of this landscape for a long time. And and so that's sort of baked into a lot of different, you know, customer platforms, employee platforms. So, so it's there. The, the question is now, as you look at the advent of generative AI, how many of them are using it? And many are. And I think certainly if you're in tech, finance, logistics, those kinds of things, you, you certainly are there. But I think what is somewhat of a cautionary tale. Is that thinking that what you are playing with has both um, great promise and great peril? A little bit hesitant to certainly open the floodgates, as you mentioned before. You know this has the potential for real business risk from a loss of IP or from a variety of you know cyber uh, issues. And most of the most of the cyber issues emanate from employees who either inadvertently or Without knowledge or training or skills, make poor choices. And the next thing you know, you have an internal wound, if you will, uh, from the use of generative AI. If you're not really careful as an organization about thinking about how is this going to be dealt with as a business risk, the same way you would deal with any other potential business risk,
0: yeah, I think that's right. You know and and people are using generative AI, which is you know AI that that's involved in creating content of some variety written you know, music, audio, visual, and so forth. But you also have predictive AI, um, you have machine learning. Uh, so all of these things are progressing here. And, you know, in some areas, in some industries, particularly in, in the the biotech and, and tech worlds, they're they're, you know, really engaged in heavy-duty quantum computing around AI, certainly in facial recognition categories and things like that so you know this and all of those have future applications in the business world it's it's just a matter of you know how much money how much time and you know the the the, the cost benefit trade-off
1: isn't it you know I, I think that's right i think we're all using it and the, the, in an organization you know eightfold um just did a study and they came uh, to the conclusion that about 70 percent of workers are already using generative AI, um, citing higher productivity, um, the ability to get an advanced start on something, speed. You know, There's a variety of reasons why employees are using it. They simply are not disclosing to their organizations uh, at that level. And that I think is an inherent business risk because at what point must any organization disclose the use of generative AI in the creation or the delivery of a service or product and, you know, where's the disclosure part? That was one of the concerns when they first released chat GPT uh, and others was it didn't have a lot of the citations and it was subject to hallucinations. And it, what's what's the governance over fact checking all of this stuff? So I don't want to get too far ahead of the, organization, of the conversation, but that's a real concern.
0: Yeah, it is. Especially the the hallucinations part. That's a new one.
1: That's not good for anybody. But that's no. what they that's what they call it, right? When it, it it just seems so positive and so sure of its answer. <laughs> it's so sure. Yeah, those are happy AI machines. Those are happy. Well, are you a Westworld fan? <laughs> I do. Did, you, know. did you ever see that? Okay, no. that that should scare the that should scare you to death. But okay. you want to talk about the rise of the sentient being. That's when you see how the world could go in a very ugly sidewise way, and I think it's you know I'm not talking about the original movie with Yul Brenner, but I'm talking about the series that we just had you know uh, uh, on cable television. But it's it's a sobering picture of what could come and how quickly it it just gathers speed.
0: Right, we're talking movies here at the Conference Board, but we're also talking about AI and how it's used by HR. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the Conference Board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a Conference Board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and I'm joined today by Rebecca Ray, the head of our Human Capital Center. All right, so let's go back to the role of HR as it, as it uh, as, as it relates to the governance of AI throughout the company because you know the, there's AI in HR of course, but there's AI that's used, you know, broadly by all employees. So talk about your views on the on what what's the accountability of HR in that?
1: Thanks, Steve. I, I think it's a shared accountability, if you will. And I, and I see the CHRO's role on two levels. One as a member of the C-suite and and discussing the implications enterprise-wide for the adoption of generative AI. And in a piece that we we just uh, just posted, it, it was a, an attempt to sort of think through what are the what are the questions you should be asking and again not to make someone an ai expert but rather to be able to understand the implications and to think a couple of chess moves ahead uh, in in the adoption of, of generative ai in particular or the broader use of ai more generally and i think that those questions are at least a place to start so so the list was not certainly final or or complete but i think they really need to think about the human capability that the organization either has or doesn't have if you look to adopt a greater usage of generative ai because that does require a set of skills and part of this is a change manager process because depending on who you listen to there are a variety of people who will tell you which jobs will be impacted and which ones are relatively safe and all of us read the same headlines and all of us begin to think oh my god i'm on that list and so I think people need to understand that this is somewhere in between nothing and Armageddon. And so we need to help our our employees think about how they can responsibly use the tools that are available to them, how they can use it to augment and how they can use it to boost productivity. You know, We've seen some of the productivity declines. There was just a a study done by the National Bureau of uh, Economic Research and they estimated that there was about a 14% jump in productivity when AI was used uh, to augment some of the, the tasks at hand. And I, I, I know that that's uh, something that we should be thoughtful about. It's both a great thing that it could boost productivity. It could also be used as a rationale for layoffs, for example, or for saying that some open positions won't be filled. So I think every organization in the CHRO probably needs to lead this conversation as to how will we use this? How will we train our employees first of all, how is it going to impact our industry and our business and our customer base and our partners in the supply chain? You know, if you can't, if you can't articulate and control where the data is coming from, if you can't depend on the, the tech partners that you have who are providing this service and be able to defend the decisions that are being suggested uh, by some of these systems, and that's why human intervention will always need to be a part of this process. We can't simply just take what is suggested because it, especially in the HR function, it doesn't have the human context. It doesn't have, uh, you know, doesn't understand human frailty or human potential. And it also doesn't have compassion, at least not yet.
0: But why did you narrow that to generative AI versus other forms of AI?
1: Because I think a lot of the other forms of AI, let's say the earlier ones, people are pretty much comfortable with that. Remember when when the driverless cars first appeared? I, I think there was a great deal of hype and panic about some of that. And I think people have kind of made some semblance of peace with that. It's just, this is now I think perceived very differently, not as something that augments, but rather something that is moving toward autonomous. And the question for us as humans will be whether or not we ever want to use autonomous AI
0: and and it's but it's important for the chros to play a role I, you know whether it's shared accountability or primary accountability I, you know it depends on the organization but but the chros here are really are really key to this because it it goes to your values of of your organization i mean there it's about transparency and explainability fairness and bias data privacy and security human oversight and accountability um, there are legal and ethical issues in this. So you can say, well, yeah, there's some IT, IT is accountable for some of this on uh, legal, but it seems to me that CHROs really are at the, the hub of the wheel on this.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I do think that this has implications for virtually every HR function and it will impact virtually all jobs to some extent. Some will be replaced, some will be augmented, there will be new jobs depending on who you read. There are hundreds of millions. I think it was uh, uh, the latest headline from uh, Goldman Sachs from some of their research, 300 million uh, employees are likely to, or jobs rather, uh, are likely to be impacted. I've read other things that are, you know, north or south of that. Our own economics department led by Dana Peterson has estimates of, you know, a significant impact But regardless of that, I think everyone needs to take a look at how can it be used to augment certain job roles? What can be done to make sure that productivity is at the forefront of its usage? And yes, all of those concerns around privacy, particularly employee privacy, what needs to be disclosed. Think about every aspect of this. So for example, could you use AI to do equity audits or pay uh, equity audits? Could you use this to... um, better understand the employee profiles that you have and how much of that needs to be disclosed. I can envision a time when there is legislation that says an employee has a right to understand what was gathered, how it was used, and how it was used in a decision-making process. So it, it's coming. We're just not, the regulation isn't there yet, but I think a lot of people have the same kinds of um, concerns about the impact here in a workplace.
0: You know, I I, I read so much about people being worried about job elimination am i going to lose my job and people i guess that makes headlines but you know you and i have been through a lot of transformations in automation over time um you know we did not go through the agrarian age transformation but you know most of society was consumed in farming of some sort just in order to live that evolved into the industrial revolution where but you know you had just you know gobs and gobs of people you know in every aspect of of manufacturing and so forth but at each stage as automation has taken over and it's freed up human beings to take on more of the knowledge-based roles which is listen that's what we're designed for so you know as i look at this i i think what i see is that humans will become more productive and i don't see fewer roles i see more roles but that i understand the instinct to say well it, it can eliminate jobs but overall it'll it it creates jobs and it will allow um it, it will allow a higher order of job i think than than what we have today at least that's been the pattern for forever in the course of human human history but uh, I you know do you I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on that as it relates to the uh, to, to today's corporation
1: I well I I really agree. Um, every uh, revolution that we've had industrial or, or or not has resulted in job loss and job creation. And if I I'm not an economist and I don't play one on TV but they say that within two generations pretty much whatever the impact has been from a labor market perspective has sort of sorted itself out. But there are people who, at the moment, uh, that it happens to them. This is a very deeply personal kind of thing. So, part of what I think organizations need to be mindful of is helping people through this, through reskilling or upskilling, or helping them find other ways to be productive. But I do think the shift will go uh, to to perhaps higher order things. But if you if you look at the jobs that are likely to be impacted. Um, and or replaced, depending on who you listen to. You know, it's it's folks like uh, writers and authors, creative types, um, proofreaders, accountants, financial people, tax preparers, journalists, researchers. But it it tends to pretty much carve out anyone who is delivering a hands on service, as you might have imagined. You know, whether that's people who are, you know, working in restaurants, or you know they're building homes, or they're doing kinds of things that look like, you know, working in oil rigs. But even when those jobs are not eliminated, they are going to be um, much more reliant on the insights that come from from AI. I, I can remember walking the manufacturing plant in Michelin and seeing how high tech those were. And you know, that's that's a result of not necessarily AI, but the long march of uh, automation and then into AI. Uh, that uh, manufacturing has has experienced. So, I, so I think there's there's sort of a range of impact from job elimination to job uh, augmentation. Part of the AI process.
0: Yeah, I I think um, you know, and so this brings us back to the role of CHRO. I think the CHROs need to be thinking through this and predicting it, and you know, ensuring that it doesn't you know don't don't over so that you then have to eliminate you know and hurt people. But but at the same time. I think the bigger impact is going to be the augmentation of the job itself, where AI That's is right. incorporated into the tasks and the accountabilities of each individual. So that, you know, there's a whole bunch of training. You've got to put up guardrails. you got to make sure that, uh, you know, procedures are followed and, you know, all of these, you know, the values are followed and, you know, you don't put Corp, you know the corporate reputation at risk and and so forth. I mean that is a huge. That's just change management, and that's a huge job. And that's that's what I see as a an exciting role for human resources, and especially the CHRO.
1: Well, I think you're right, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, all of this AI, and as we continue to march along with AI and whatever version comes out next, it is going to fundamentally change most all aspects of the HR function. And so the CHRO needs to filter that through that uh, through that change, knowing where the organization's headed. But it's the CHRO's main role is to make sure that they have the necessary organizational capacity to execute the business strategy. And so part of what is going to be very very complicated is making an educated guess as to which roles will be necessary in the future, which roles will need to be augmented, and how and in what ways. And then thinking about which roles need to be eliminated, and certainly there's the change management process of supporting them through this process. But trying to guess, educated as it may be, the skills and the type, the profile of worker, augmented or not, in the future is a tremendously difficult and risky bets to make. And so I I think that's why you're going to see the HR function become that much more reliant on the insights that come from the adoption of AI, writ large, and also using that as a tool to determine how we match the organizational capability, the leaders we need, the types of work, the way work gets done, the relationship of work uh, among future and, and current employees. It It's all going to be seen through the lens of what we believe is coming next with the advent of this level of technology and others to come.
0: Well put and uh, a, a great summary of uh, of all things AI as it relates to HR. Rebecca Ray, thanks for joining us today.
1: It was a pleasure, Steve.
0: And thanks to all of you for listening into CEO Perspectives. Every week I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover leading topics in economics, geopolitics, human capital, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with all of your colleagues, your friends, your favorite robots. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board.
1: You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.